here trying to help you. I'm here to give you what it took me 30, 30 years in ministry to get. All right. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, remember, we've already taught, uh, this is part five today, part five. So if you notice, when we started this, this, this series, the first thing we said to you is, God's will is for you to be holy. That's God's will. God's will for you to be holy. God's will for you to live holy. That's his will, okay? So we have to understand. That's the first thing we talked about. Now let's go read that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because we never like to talk to you about the word unless we give you the word. See, that's, that's, we don't teach you about the word here. We teach you the word. All right? So you don't have to leave, said Pastor Crump said. No, no, no. I'm showing you in the word where the word says that. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the word of God is going to tell you. Verse 1 says, Furthermore then, we beseech you, brothers, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk. Remember, that's what we talked about. Uh, the first thing is talking about God will for you to be holy. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about your life. So you, you, that's your walk, your conversation. And to please God, how you ought to walk, how you ought to live, and to please God. That's the first thing God wants you to do. So that you will abound more and more. Now, th now that's some good stuff. I've even got my message good and it's already coming out. God wants you to live holy so you can abound more and more. Now that abounding is talking about the fruit of the Spirit in your life. The way the fruit of the Spirit grows in your life it's by you living holy, okay? It's your living, it's your living for the Lord, it's obeying the Lord that causes that fruit to grow in your life, okay? For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And then it says that every one of you should know how that word to possess means to control. How to control his vessel and sanctification on it. So that's God's will for your life. And that's what we talked about. Then we went to last week, we went to the second teaching that we talked about. First teaching is God's will is for you to be holy. And then we got into last week, we talked about rejoice in the Lord. So let's go back to that because that's exactly what God's talking about. God wants you to rejoice. First thing, to be holy. Number two, Rejoice always in the Lord. That's what we want to do. Rejoice always in the Lord. Now, why, why did God want me to rejoice always in the Lord? Uh, let's go back and look at that. That's, we gave you Philippians chapter 3 and Philippians chapter 4. God wants you to rejoice always in the Lord. Philippians chapter number 3, verse 1. We're going to look at those two verses. And then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter uh, 3. And verse number one says, Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. See? To write the same thing to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but to you is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have, watch this, no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence 
in the flesh. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. So if you rejoice, all right. Now, let's, let's go to chapter 4. We talk about rejoice always in the Lord. Now, in Philippians chapter 4, you'll see the same thing. Philippians chapter 4. You'll see the same thing. Philippians chapter 4. In verse 4, we talked about this last week. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians chapter 4. And again, I say rejoice. Now, at that time, verse 5 said, Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. If you, if you, if you understand what the Lord is at hand means, the Lord is coming soon. That's what that says out of the NLT. The Lord is coming soon. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, and we live in a day where the church don't even think the Lord, the Lord has come. Now, when I teach on the word hope, you're going to get it. Because it's one of the most misunderstood verses in the whole scripture that the church is still believing the Lord is coming soon. And then we'll turn around and see all this stuff going on in the world. You see all them fires out there? You see all them fires out there in all those countries? The Lord is coming soon. That's what they'll do. They'll take what's going on. Well, you see the pandemic, nearly 200,000 people, 190 plus thousand people in America has died. Over half a million people have the virus. Now you understand what I mean when I said that was man-made. That could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. Just like the fire, some of them could be avoided. Because we see smoke of the bear telling people on TV, put out your fire, your forest fires. Don't throw your cigarettes butts down. I mean, all kind of things. Now, we're not seeing lightning doesn't cause things, all this kind of stuff. But the, our bottom line is that don't mean the Lord coming. We can't take things that you're seeing in the world and say you've got to see the you know, it's warming up in this world. The Lord's coming soon. No, that, that, that don't mean that. That means we got to make some quality decisions on climate change. You know what I mean? It, that's what we have to do. Make some different decisions in mind. You know, clean air. It's, it's, it's decisions we have to make. All right, but it don't mean the Lord is coming. So every time you see, like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the first thing they say in verse 5, the Lord is coming soon. Well, the Lord is coming soon. The Bible was written 2,000 years ago. All right? Understand that. And now, now, now we're going to look at some other thing, but that's our key verse. All right? Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, I'm sorry, Philippians 4 and 4. But let's go on because what we want to get to today is the day's subject. The day's subject is found in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. We just read it. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 3. It said, for we are the circumcision. We're going to read verse 1. Finally, my brother, rejoice in the Lord. So you keep hearing me say that. To write the same thing to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you is safe. Beware of dog, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. All right? Then in verse 3, it says, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, and we, here we go, rejoice in Christ Jesus. Now that's what we're going to name our message today. We are piggybacking off of last week because we still are not done with the word rejoice. 
Because he said, rejoice, and then he says, again I say to you, rejoice. So we're going to rejoice again this morning. All right? So we're going to name this message, Rejoice Again in Christ Jesus. That's what we're going to name. Because that's what he told us, rejoice again. That's our message today. Rejoice again in Christ Jesus. See, last week we rejoiced. But we're going to rejoice again in Christ Jesus today. Because we understand some things that God is doing in the spirit realm. All right? Now, but we're going to find out what does this word mean, rejoice. We're going to give that word to you now. What does it mean to rejoice? To enjoy. Isn't that something? See, when you rejoice in the Lord, watch this, you are enjoying your God. I want to ask you a question. Do you enjoy the Lord? Do you, do you enjoy his word? See, that's what it means when God put his word in your heart. When he said rejoice, he's talking about enjoy your God. Enjoy the Lord. That's why one scripture says, we're going to give you that scripture in a moment, but we're going to tell you what it says. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, if you, you taste and see the Lord is good, you're enjoying your God. One place it says, thy word was found, and I did eat them. And thy word was the joy and the rejoice in my heart. Are you enjoying the word? See, when you're getting this word on Sunday morning, you've got to be able to understand, I know everybody want to be at church. But understand, you're only going to come for the word. So you're supposed to be thanking the Lord this morning for the word. Some of you out there watching your Facebook on your little phone, learn how to get you an adapter and plug it up to your TV. You know, make your, get a big picture. Sit there in your pajama with your family and watch this word. Get this word. This is how you're going to live. God is keeping you by his word. I want to say it again. God is keeping you by his word. This pandemic is going to be gone soon. God's going to take it away. God's going to give us a way to, to get it out of here. But he's going to do it. And then it's going to come a time for you to come back and enjoy your time with one another. So you can understand now that when you come to church on Sunday morning, it is the fellowship. Come on, I want you to see this real good. What you are missing by not being able to come to church right now is the brothers and the sisters that you've been having fellowship with. See, your relationship is with Christ. You can get the Word sitting in your pajamas, sitting at the dinner table, sitting at the breakfast table, laying in your bed this morning. You can get the Word in your car, on your job. You can get the Word. But the fellowship is when you're coming to the church. So I hope we understand how precious it is for us to come into the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning or a Bible class or whenever we come in here and be able to meet the brothers and the sisters. And don't be so quick to get in the church and run out. Go say something to somebody. Wave at somebody. Hug at somebody. That's why this church, my wife, never starts service on Sunday morning unless she tell you, go and fellowship with somebody this morning. Show them some love. See, that's what we are, we are missing out on. But it's going to come back. 
And when that time comes, it's time for you to return into the house of the Lord and, and realize you're here now to fellowship with one another, and then you'll be able to get the word at the same time. So the only thing you're not getting right now is the fellowship. But don't forget to call somebody. Don't forget to pick up the phone and get somebody to call. A lot of times people say, well, Pastor Crump, has Pastor Crump ever called you? No, Pastor Crump. Why don't you call Pastor Crump? Why don't you call Pastor Crump? Pastor Crump is trying to call everybody in the church. My wife and I, we send our text. Call us sometime. We love to hear from you. Some of you, we don't even have your phone numbers. <laughs> we can't call you. Call us. All right, now let's get into the word. All right, so we're going to rejoice again in Christ Jesus. We want to say it again. Rejoice again in Christ Jesus. All right, now that's, that's what we're going to do today. Now, let's give you some things. Now, isn't this something that the person who told us to rejoice was Paul? Now, we're talking about the man in chains, handcuffs, in prison. Well, let, let's, let's go show you some stuff. Go, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me show you the man who wrote us the book. Remember, we're going through 2 Corinthians chapter 11, chapter, 2 Corinthians because that's why Paul wrote a lot of his message. But let's, let's read some of this. We're going to read out the King James. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 16. Let's, now this is the man told you to rejoice. Why is he saying that? Because like I said, we, gonna, we gave you Nehemiah 8 and 10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Remember that. So God told us in Ephesians, we're going to look at that also, 6 and 10. Be strong in the Lord. Well, if I'm going to be strong in the Lord, it has to go with the word rejoice, right? Right, and then God told us to give God glory. How am I going to do all this if I do not understand the spirit of joy in my life? All right, so let's go to work. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. I say again, remember, I say again, let no man think of me a fool. If otherwise... Yet as a fool, receive me, Paul says, that I may boast myself a little. Now that word rejoice, I'm giving you a definition of the word rejoice. It also means to glory in, to brag, to magnify, see, to exalt the Lord. See, all of that, all of that is talking about to glory, to rejoice. Enjoy your God. Make joyful. To experience joy. But today we're talking about rejoice again in Christ Jesus. All right? Now, now let's continue. Here's Apostle Paul. Let's show you a man that wrote us to rejoice. He said he want to boast himself a little. Come on, Paul, boast. He said, that which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly, in the confident. Now, we're going to look at that word being content later on. But he says, I'm doing this in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory, talking about the word boast, after the flesh. Our glory also. You suffer fools gladly, seeing you yourselves are wise. You suffer if a man bring you into bondage, uh, if a man devour you, if a man take you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face, 
I speak as concerning reproach as though we have ha- that, that we had been weak. Howbeit, wherein soever so any is bold, I speak foolishly. I'm bold also. Are they Hebrews? Now he gave it the boast. He said, now if you want to boast in who you are, let me tell you who I am. Are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelite? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of the Christ? Well, I speak as a fool. I'm more. In labors, more often. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. Five times I received 40 stripes, say one. Five times they beat me, 39 stripes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I was shipwrecked. Now when he was stoned, he was left for dead. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. Spent all night in the water. In journeying often, perils, dangers of waters, dangers of robbers, dangers of peril, my own countrymen, dangers by the heathens. I've been in danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brothers, and weariness and painfulness and watching often and hunger and thirst and fasting often, cold and even nakedness. See, that's why we're going to show you that, but he was always content because he counted him faithful. And then he's going to say, beside those things that are without, that which coming upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now just think about, you know how many churches the Apostle Paul had now. He had the care of all the churches. And then he's going to say, who was weak? I'm not weak. Who was offended? I burn not. If I must need glory, now he's going to come back to who he glory in. If I mean this glory, I will glory in the things of which concern my infirmities. He said, I could glory. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, which, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. He's not done. He said, look, in Damascus, the governor on the Aratus, the king kept the city of the Damascus, of the Damascenes with a garrison desires to apprehend me. They want to kill me. And through a window in a basket, I was let down over the wall and escaped their hand. Escaped from my life. They're going to kill me. He said, look, listen. And then it didn't stop there. He went into the chapter number 12. He said, look, it's, a, it's not expedient for me, doubtless, the glory. See, he goes on to chapter 12. He's still boasting. But he's going to tell you, he said, listen, it's not expedient for me, doubtless the glory, but I will come to visions and our revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one was called up to heaven. He talk, the time when they killed him. <laughs> he said, I knew such a man, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how he was caught up in the paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory. See, he's still talking about glorying in the Lord. Yet of, yet of myself, I will not glory. 
but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire the glory, I should not be a fool. For I will, I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above which he sees me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice or three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. God Almighty, God Almighty. My grace. I want you to tell somebody that this morning. Going through something this morning. But here's the word from this ministry. God's grace is sufficient for you. We want to be able to put that out. Share it with somebody this morning. God's grace is sufficient for you. Watch what Paul says. My strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, why would he say his strength was made perfect in weakness? Most gladly, he said, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, that's why he glory in his infirmities. That's why he would glory in the things he was going through. That the power of Christ may rest upon him. What an awesome God we serve. Therefore, he says in verse number 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, I take pleasure in reproaches, I take pleasure in necessities, I take pleasure in persecutions, I take pleasure in distresses, for Christ's sake. Watch this, watch this. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, because that's what's happening, you are totally trusting God now, then am I strong. I'm become a fool in glory, and he says. I, verse 11, I've become a fool in glory. You have compelled me. I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing I am behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. This man was glory, but he was glorying in the Lord. And that's what you got to understand. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. All right, now. Let's, let's begin to look at some things because I want, I want you to really get this this morning. Remember last week I got into 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, let's, let's go back there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now the reason why I'm going back there that this past week, last Sunday, I was ministering on 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And the Holy Spirit had changed my message. And I got into talking about the God of all comfort. Now, I did not know when I finished ministering the second service, I had to do a, a wedding, but I had to, a second service. And after I got out of that second service, my wife called me and said, sit down, I want to talk to you. He said, this morning, they found your youngest sister had passed away. Now, this message I was ministering on, that's why I keep telling you, this ain't no joke. This is not a game. Let me tell you what I said last week. And I told you the way you get out of it, you have to call God faithful. He got to be found faithful. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're just going to take that and we're going to take off. 
In 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3, what we said, we said, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Now, that's why we want you to make sure. Somebody said the God of all comfort. Now, watch how God operates. He's the God of all comfort. The God of all comfort, but watch what he says. He comforted us in all our tribulation. Why does he do it, Pastor? That we may be able to comfort them who are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. God comforts me in my situation so I can be able to comfort others in their situation. Now, what I said to you was this. If you never let God take away the hurt and the pain in your life because you lost your husband, because you lost your wife, because you lost your daughter, because you lost your son, because you lost grandma and grandpa, you lost somebody very dear to you. Whether they were family members, children, family members, you lost somebody very dear to you. If you never get over that and let God comfort you, you're not going to be able to help nobody else in their time of need because you haven't got over it yourself. You haven't got over your own hurt. God comfort us so we can be able to comfort. We use that comfort that he comforted me with so I can comfort others. So when they're going through their troubles and their time, I can sit them down and say, let me tell you something. See, that's one of the things that I was able to do. I did a funeral yesterday. And God reminded me that there was one day when I saw those little kids. That's the first thing I thought about. There was one day I was sitting in the front row of a pew looking in the castle, my daddy. 14 years old with my little brothers and my little sisters. So I'm now able to, I, to comfort somebody else going through the same situation. This year, Lost my mother out of 92 years. But God comforted me. So now I'm able to comfort somebody else. See, when you're going through something, you got to understand, listen, you're not the only one lost somebody. Whole lot of folk. Remember, we got 193,000 plus people have died in America since six months. This year. So you're not alone. But we're going to have to get matured and learn how to get confidence from God so we can be strong in the Lord, so we can comfort other people on what they're going through. That's why I want to show you that. But watch what God calls this. He said in verse number four, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 4, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. And the suffering of Christ. Watch what he calls it, the suffering of Christ. And the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. And whether we are afflicted, 
is for your consolation and salvation. Paul said, what I'm going through is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you were partaker of the suffering, so shall you also be of the consolation. See, you are partaker of the suffering, you're going to be a partaker of the comfort. What an awesome God. Paul said, we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we were despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not, there it is, trust in ourselves. Listen, we went through some things and we learned that we could not trust in ourselves anymore but in God who raised the dead. God allowed you to go through some situations so you can learn not to trust in yourself. But learn to trust in the Lord. That's why we had a song as we grown up, I have learned to trust in God. I have learned to trust in God. See, as you're going through your experiences, you're learning to trust in God. And every time you go through a situation, you ought to be able to say, I'm learning to trust in God. Because every situation is going to demand you to trust in God. Look what Paul says. In verse 10, he said, who delivered, who delivered us from a great death and does deliver us in whom we trust. Again, that he will yet deliver us. See, Paul said, look, my trust is in the Lord. He will deliver us. Whatever you're going through out there this morning, I want you to understand. I want you to shout that out to somebody this morning. Whatever you're going through this morning, God will deliver you out of it. Somebody out there going through some things. Somebody out there going through some mental stress. And somebody going through some uh, situation where they got loved ones where they got to take care of in this situation. And it's hard. It's rough when you got to take care of somebody else. Some of you married, got children and whatever, and then you got to turn around and take care of somebody else who can't take care of themselves. God will deliver you. Trust God. Trust him. I'm telling you right now, it's an awesome thing. I'm, I'm just so grateful for God here in prayers. I'm going to get teaching on prayer soon. And that's, that's a teaching all by itself, praise God. But let's move on, because we're going to go into some other things today, because I, I, I want to really get into that. I want to brag and boast on him today. Our God is faithful. Our God whom we serve is faithful. Look at Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at Philippians. We're going, we're going, Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. And this word is so good. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 18. What then, Paul says, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein rejoice. <laughs> Praise God. Paul said, I'm going through all this stuff, but I rejoice. Yea, and I will rejoice. <laughs> 
See, that's what you got to understand. You got to rejoice. You can't allow a situation to come to your life and just look at them. How you go through your situation, Pastor, here it is. Here's my answer. With joy. God gave you the kingdom, Romans 14, 17. He gave you three things. He gave you righteousness. He gave you peace. And he gave you joy in the Holy Ghost. I want to make sure that's on the screen. He gave you three things. Romans 14, 17. You got to know what he gave you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God gave you three things. Now, what are they for? I'm going to show you that righteousness is your armor. Righteousness is what God armed you with as his own son or daughter. See, when the Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, what did the enemy come to Jesus about? Are you the Christ? Tell us. Are you the son of God? Tell us. Let me tell you, when you got righteousness, you don't have to worry about that. That battle is automatically won. Once God put on you his righteousness, you are God's son, and you are right with God, and you are right standing with God. He qualified you with God's righteousness. Let me show you that verse while I'm here. I don't want to forget to show you that. Just one verse. When God show you something, you don't ever forget it. God qualified you. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. I want you to put that on the screen for me. I want you to put it on the screen in the NALT. Just one verse. 2 Corinthians 6, 7. I'm going to deal with that 2 Corinthians uh, 3 after a while, but not now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 7. At the NALT. I can't see the screen in front of me. I'm going to turn around. It says, we faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness. Well, watch what he says. We use the weapons of righteousness. Praise God. Let me read that in here to you. Right. See, we use the weapon of righteousness. Let me, let me, use, let me get my Bible here. You know, I, my glasses here. See, we use the weapon of righteousness. I'm, I'm going to turn to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to read it out the NLT on my, in my Bible. We use the weapon of righteousness. So you have to understand, when the Bible said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, you got to know what they are. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 7, I'm going to read it out of the NLT. He said, we use the weapon. He said, we faithfully preach the truth. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. That's awesome, man. The weapons of righteousness in the left hand and the right hand. We defend ourselves with God's righteousness because we are God's children. But we also use God's righteousness to defeat the enemy. That's why Paul said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down the stronghold. We're going to look at that, but not right now. All right? So we have to understand when Philippian, when Philippian was giving us this in chapter 1, we're going through Philippians chapter 1. We read verse 18 to verse 30. 
Paul talking about rejoicing. So in verse number 19, he says, we're in the King James, Philippians 1:19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. And the supply of the Spirit, watch this, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. See, that's what happened when, you, when I'm ministering the word to you. I'm supplying the Spirit to you. See, that's what I'm doing. I'm building you up in the Spirit, man. You're getting your supply. Just like when you go to the store, in a different grocery store, what you're doing, you're getting your supply. That's why the Bible used the word, but my God shall supply, Philippians 4 and 18. But my God shall supply all your needs. See, what is he talking about? Your supply in the Spirit. Philippians chapter number 1 and verse number 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now that's something you need to underline in your Bible. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my honest expectation and my hope, in nothing I shall be ashamed. Now you got to hear what he just said. In nothing I shall be ashamed. But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified. Christ shall be magnified in my body. Christ shall be magnified in my body. Say that with me. Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now watch what he's going to add to that. Whether it be by life or by death, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Now, what is he talking about? Christ shall be magnified in my body. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this because if you knew what, the, what magnified was, you'll know what that verse means. So we're going to ask you to put something there. We're going to come right back. So you want to put that down. Christ shall be magnified in my body. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you the scriptures if you keep a note for you can write it down because I'm going to give you this and we're going to come right back. Uh, we might make it back. Look at Psalm 34. You want to put that in your notes by your Bible. Psalm 34. And we're just going to do one through four. But one of them verses is going to tell you to magnify the Lord. And then I'm going to show you another verse to show you what that means. Ain't you glad this morning? Ain't you glad the Lord is good to you? See, if you understand what Paul said, remember what Paul says. According to my earnest expectation, so write this verse down so you know where I'm coming back to. And when I ask you, Philippians 1 and verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, here it is, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Come on, share it with me. Christ shall be magnified in my body. What is he talking about? He's talking about his boasting. He's talking about his boasting. But he went to another level and used the word magnify. Then he's going to say, whether by life, or by death. We'll come back and finish that. Because when that man went to the next verse, he said, to me, to live is Christ. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To me, for me to live is Christ. And then he said, to die is better. 
when you are saved and you have the Holy Spirit in you, there's no fear of death no more. See, you're going to have to understand when God talking about rejoice, I'm talking about when you lose loved ones, you still got to rejoice. You can't still sitting around two or three months later, still grieving and sobbing. Come on, you got the Holy Spirit, you're supposed to have the spirit of joy. You're going to have to let the spirit of joy reign in your life. You got to let the peace of God rule in your life. You got to let God's righteousness rule in your life. This is not a game. The Bible, I told you last week, we gave you a verse. Weeping may I do it for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping endure for a night. Weeping has his time in your life, and then joy is supposed to take over. You got to understand how to live a Christian life. And if you can't do that, you got to ask yourself, do I have the Holy Spirit? Because if I got the Holy Spirit, I got to learn how to do both. Because somebody need me. Let me say it again. Because somebody need me. So if I don't learn how to rejoice, how am I going to help anybody else? Praise God for his goodness. Hallelujah. We got to learn how to let people go. That just came in my spirit. I'm going to stop right there. The Spirit of God said to me, he said, you're going to have to learn how to let people go. We'll turn around and say they're going to be with the Lord and then we'll still grieve for the rest of our life. Are you telling me they're going to be with the Lord and you still ain't happy? When somebody's going to be with the Lord, you ought to be glad. You know what the Lord said? He said, do not be a people of sorrow as others which have no hope. See, if you, don't, if you don't believe people can pass away and go to be with the Lord, then you're without hope. That's why I keep telling you when I deal with the word hope, either you have hope in you or you're waiting for hope to come. Because only one person is called hope in this Bible. Either you got it or you're waiting for him to come. And if you're in the dispensation of grace, you can't be waiting for him to come because in the dispensation of grace, Christ told, Paul told us by the Holy Ghost where hope is. Christians don't want to, we, we have been taught religion, tradition of men so long, we don't want to be taught the truth. No, that ain't right. Well, what you basing on? You're basing on religious people, what they told you. And you don't want to change. But I'm going to teach that message one day. And you're going to realize that when you save, hope is already in you. You don't have to worry about going looking for it. Hope lay down with you every night. Hope get up with you every morning. Hope walking through with you every day. Because you have everything that God has for you in you. You know what we do? We, we quote scriptures like this. Ephesians 1 and 3, this is what we quote. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is the church now. This is the church. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, hallelujah, 
with all spiritual blessings, hallelujah, in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, God has blessed us with all, all pastors, I say all, all pastors, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. God has blessed us with everything. And then we go to Romans 8.32. I gave you two scriptures. I haven't seen not one yet, but <laughs> praise God. See, we're ministering to the audience out there. Ephesians 1 and 3 was first. See, Ephesians 1 and 3, God has blessed us. See, when the people watch the video, that's what they want to see. God has blessed us. With all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. It's not what I'm telling you. I'm sharing you what the word says. We quote that. The Lord has blessed us. With all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. He's already blessed us. And then we turn around and quote chapter 1. We, we, we quote Romans chapter number 8 verse 32. We quote this verse. See, all these things we quote, and then we turn right back around and say, the Lord coming soon. Now, what happened is, we, we don't want to believe the Bible. Romans chapter 8, he that spared not his own son, that's Romans 8.32. I can't see it in the front camera. Romans 8.32, he that spared not his own son, but deliver him up for us all, how shall he not also freely how shall he not with him? I'm kind of hard to see. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Well, if he gave you Christ, he gave you all things. Now, he's already given you Christ. How shall he not with Christ give you all things? And yet, people are telling you, I'm waiting for the Lord to come. Well, you don't believe he gave you all things. You don't believe Ephesians 1 and 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all, all spiritual blessings in the heavenly place in Christ. If he gave you Christ, he gave you all. So how can you be looking for some more? See, you've been deceived and you don't want to admit it. You've been deceived. Just like I was when I came and told this church 10 years ago, I had been deceived. Because I've been believing what man was teaching, what the Bible said, and it was not what the Bible said. Jesus never told you he's going to come back for you. God gave you the Holy Spirit. You're the body of Christ, and Christ lives in the church, and you are the church. And the Bible told you in the book of Hebrews, he's already entered into the holy place once and forever. And you are the holy place. You are the temple of the living God. The Bible plainly told you that Christ... Wait, let me... Let me I, I don't have to fuss with you. I, can, I got all this word. Let me show it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See, these people here didn't know what Christ was. Watch what Paul goes say. 1 Corinthians three sixteen. No, you're not. That you are the temple... That's verse number 16. No, you're not that you are the temple of God... Oh, you don't know that? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Spirit of God lives in you and you are not your own? If any man defile the temple of God, him God shall destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Watch this. Which temple you are? He's in the temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul, that's why Paul said to the church, you don't know this? 
Verse 19, what, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Watch this, which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. God moved in your house. And yet you don't know what God is. You know why? You've been deceived and you listen to a religion tradition of men. But I come to give you the truth. It's not popular, but it's truth. And what you're going to set your free is when you start believing the truth. See, people believe lies. I believe lies for many years. I'm the pastor of this church. I've been in ministry for 40 years. And I used to believe it and teach it to the church until the Holy Ghost said to me, what are you talking about? I walked inside of your room one day. Remember that? And God took me through it. He said, you remember? You were sitting on the bed. I walked in your room. And I turned your head. Stood beside you. Walked over you. And stood. And blew myself like a genie in a bottle, came inside of you. And you passed out on the floor. Every day of your life, you feel your, my spirit on you, and you still going to say, I'm coming. You can't agree with those people. I'm not coming. I'm here. I'm in you. He said, they have errors. And they're believing what God did with the Jews, the church of God, Peter, James, and John church. You are the body of Christ, members in particular. And God has put you in Christ, and you still deceive that Christ is coming. You deceived. Let's move on, because I can stay there a while. All right, now let's go back to where I was. Philippians chapter 1. I know everybody remember that, right? In Philippians chapter number 1. See, Paul talking about your glory. You got the glory in the Lord. Why so many people can't glory in the Lord? Because they don't even think, they don't know where he is. Why could Paul glory in the Lord and being in prison? Because he knew the Lord was in him. How can you glory in the Lord if you don't know where he is? See, when you know Christ is in you, you can glory in him. Lay in your bed at night on the back. Lay on your back, you'll glory in the Lord. Lay in your, you can be driving your car, walk, you know where he is. That's why Paul said, he, let me show you this. He's that glory, watch this. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Now we started reading with verse 18 already. Because I got to show you something right quick here. Like, watch what it says now. Verse, verse number 20. According to my great expectation, Paul said, my honest expectation, and my hope, in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified. Watch this. Christ shall be magnified whereabout? In my body. Whether it be life or death, Christ shall be magnified in my body. Where, where is Christ? He's in you. Let's show it to you. Go to Psalm. Psalm 34. Now this is a psalm you always hear me quote. 
if you're a member of this church. Psalm 34. Well, let me tell you why I always quote it. In Psalm 34, verse 1, watch what, watch what David praising God for deliverance. Watch what he says. I will bless the Lord at all times. Wait a minute. How often do you bless the Lord? I will. You need to say it with your own mouth. I will. I will. See, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now listen, you're talking about just had a funeral. Somebody passed away in your life. Just lost your husband. Just lost your wife. Just lost your loved ones. See, you can't sit around with your head down no more. You got a God to praise. You got a God to worship. You got a God that you need to magnify every day. I will bless the Lord at all times. Watch this. His praise shall continually be where? In my mouth. Now that's very important why praise should be in your mouth. I'm giving you history. I'm giving you something that you, like on, on my thing, took 30 years for me to learn. I'm giving you something that you need to write down and put it in a package so you always know what praise is for. You got to know what, what is praise. You got to know what praise is for. Here it is. The Bible said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue to be in my mouth. Where's praise? It's in my mouth. Why is it in my mouth? Hold your finger right there, I'll show it to you. I'm going to show you two verses. Psalm 28 and verse 7. Just back up with me. Psalm 28 and verse 7. Just one verse. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoice. And with my song will I praise him. Why is the praise in your mouth? Because with my song, I will praise him. Praise him is your song to the Lord. So when you praise God, that's your song to the Lord. You're singing unto the Lord. That's praise. That's why praise is always in your mouth, in my mouth. I praise him in my mouth. Well, keep on reading. Psalm 34. Let's go back. Psalm 34. Verse 2 said, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. My soul shall make her boast. Going to rejoice in the Lord. The armor go to hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So when I magnify the Lord, I exalt the Lord. But what is magnify, Pastor? You really want to know. How many really want to know? What is magnify? Look at Psalm 69 and verse 30. This is for all you praisers out there. When do you know you're magnifying the Lord? What do you do to magnify the Lord? I just told you what praise was. Now I'm telling you what magnify is. Psalm 69 and verse number 30. Here it is. I will praise the name of our God how? When you praise God, it's with your songs. So when the choir is singing, what are we doing? We praise the Lord. But when we magnify God, what are we doing? And I will magnify him with my, with thanksgiving. 
So when you begin to thank the Lord, you move into magnifying him. That's why one song says, magnify him. That's why I love that song. Hallelujah. That song didn't just stop him praying. He said, magnify him. Doom, 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 doom. Magnify him. What are we talking about? You're talking about Thanksgiving now. When you begin to thank God for everything he has done, see, we're going to get into that in this teaching. We're going from praise to magnifying the Lord. Now, we got one more. We're going to show you the next service because my time is up. And we're going to show you what worship is. Thank you so very much. My time is up. We're going to get right to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because that's showing me how to be saved. I, none of this is any good if you don't know how to be saved. That one of the greatest things that God showed me in my walk with God was how to be saved. Because I was believing the wrong thing. There's three things that people teach you how to be saved. Number one, they teach you how to be saved with water baptism. Wrong. Number two, people teach you to be saved with Romans 10, 9, and 10. You have to confess and believe to be saved. Wrong. Number three, you're saved by grace. 2,000 years ago, God put on flesh and came here and saved you. That's why the Bible said by grace you are saved because it's already been done. 2,000 years ago, God saved you. Now, this is what Paul showed to you in 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. Paul preached to you God's grace, the gospel of Christ. Christ came and saved you. He said, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. I deliver to you, first of all, that which also I received, how Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture, he was buried, and God raised him from the dead the third day. This is how you're saved. You're saved by the cross. Before the cross, you were saved in the name of Jesus. Those were the Jewish believers. After the cross, you have to be saved by the cross. That's why the Gentiles were saved by the cross. The Jews were saved in the name of Jesus. My time is up. So all you need to do is receive it. God has forgiven you. Receive it. God has saved you. Receive it. You do that by believing Christ died for your sins. He was buried and God raised him from the dead for your justification. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.